What's up, everybody? We have some interesting conversations to have. We got to talk about this Mason Cole Garrett Bradbury thing. And also, I wanted to dive into the question of how the Vikings got to be so aggressive. So, we're going to talk about all of that here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL, and you can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Today, on the show. Thank you so much, by the way, for making us your first listen of the day. And on today's show, I want to talk about, so we got to talk about uh, some of the quotes that I missed from uh, Monday's press conferences and also a little bit of COVID news and stuff and injury reports and, and stuff like that um, a little bit tomorrow. But I also want to talk about kind of the central theme of this week is everybody's talking, everybody's writing their think pieces about like the Vikings got aggressive and they got to stay aggressive. Um, to me, I, I am less satisfied with that. I got to find out how. I'll talk a little more about the philosophy of that too and some scheme. We'll go deep into some of the X's and O's of what Clint Kubiak did against the Chargers that worked and what he can continue to do. Um, so we'll talk about all that. But first, I, I guess we should probably talk about the news of Tuesday, which is that Garrett Bradbury activated off of the COVID-19 list. Um, I, I guess as we take a soul, we got to give a soul. Josh Metellus now is on the COVID-19 reserve list. So obviously better to lose a backup than a starter, I guess. But Josh Metellus was like very important on special teams. He was doing a lot of great stuff on special teams. So he'll be missed in that regard. But that leaves us in uh, an interesting spot here because on Monday, Mike Zimmer went on, uh, went up in front of the media and somebody asked him about if Mason Cole should stay in the lineup. And he was like cagey about it. And it got everybody kind of talking about, oh, is this Garrett Bradbury get replaced or whatever? Before I talk about any of this, um, before I add any commentary, I want to just play the full unadulterated quote and the question that was asked just to lay some foundation. Mike, you probably don't love having uh, moving pieces on the offensive line, but has, you know, has Mason Cole's play at least, you know, necessitated the, the conversation to see if he can stay as part of that group, you know, once Bradbury gets back at, at some place, or do you like him as your sort of swing guy? Uh, we've had that conversation. We'll just have to see, you know, this week in practice. Uh, you know, Bradbury hasn't been here in two weeks, or uh, um, I think it's missed two weeks now. So uh, we're just going to have to try to sort it out this week. But Mason's done a really nice job. Uh, he's done a terrific job. And so we'll just uh, try to figure figure this out. Um, it's better than not have. better than having no options. So the keen-eared among you will notice that when Sam Ekstrom asked that question, he didn't specifically say, will Mason Cole replace Bradbury? He said, well, will Mason Cole stay in the lineup? Uh, and that is a very different thing, right? That's like a pretty important distinction because there's another lineman that's struggling a lot. And I know a lot of people don't like the Garrett Bradbury, uh, the anchor and all that stuff. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but Oli Udo, I, I think, has been a much bigger problem. Um, at least that's where I'm at. I, some people might disagree. I think the holding penalties, the bad eyes, not picking up stunts, not seeing things, not knowing who to block. He's still making that mistake where he does not know who to block in terms of like zone covered and uncovered rules. 
Um, it's, it's been a very big problem. And with Mason Cole, who's been in this system, he's played guard before, um, he's, you know, zone blocked plenty before. I, I think like Bradbury next to Cole sounds better than Udo next to Cole to me. Uh, if we were going to like make that choice or maybe they don't do anything and they just don't want to mess with the chemistry or whatever. I, I think that would be probably valid too. Uh, but uh, either way, they basically said, yeah, we'll see how practice goes. And when he was talking about Bradbury, he said, you know, he hasn't been to practice in two weeks. We'll see if he's up to speed. Obviously, I mean, COVID is a respiratory illness. So if you don't have all your cardio up to speed, you know, you shouldn't put that guy on the football field. Um, so yeah, we'll have to just kind of wait and see with all of that stuff. Um, but with, with Cole and Bradbury, like specifically, there is so much about, I mean, a lot of people are like, dead on convinced that Mason Cole is 10 times the center that Garrett Bradbury is. And I, look, I'm the last Bradbury fan. If you've been listening to the show, you know that about me. So of course I disagree and, and you, I don't need to change your mind about that. Um, but here's what I will say. A lot of the things that probably annoy you about Garrett Bradbury come down to him getting walked back and, and, and his anchor, right? And a, a strong nose tackle can bull rush him, push him back. That's really annoying, right? That's totally fair. Um, in a lot of those cases, a walk back where you give up space, but then ultimately do anchor can be a pretty good play. And I've seen a lot of people point one of those out with Bradbury. That's like, look at him get walked back where he does anchor by the end of it. And to me, that's a good rep. And the reason I have that opinion is because it's what O-line coaches typically tell me uh, or, or typically talk about when, when they talk about this kind of thing. When you get beat at first and then you turn it around and you make a comeback and you actually end up sealing, like you, you end up kind of getting your ground back. That's almost more impressive from a scouting perspective because it shows, hey, the rep's never over, right? You can have things go a little wrong and still win. And that's going to get you a lot of wins because in, in especially in the NFL and in uh in, in pass blocking, you're not going to win every rep pretty. you got to be able to win ugly. And so seeing somebody win ugly, that's comforting to me. Um, but a lot of people don't like it. It's ugly, right? Uh, so I, I, I totally get that. Um, and in terms of the rest of a skill set that a center has to have, calling protections, I like the way he does it. I know that Alex Boone, I think he's gone on, I think it's Score North is what, what he goes and talks on, and Alex Boone doesn't like it. Um, I, I haven't caught any of those segments, so I don't know what his point is, and so I can't contend with it, but I don't know. From what I see, the protections when uh, Garrett Bradbury's in, they seem to at least make sense. Um, and they're communicated well and stuff, and that hasn't been happening with Mason Cole. Um, of course, Garrett Bradbury is the grim reacher. The reach blocks are incredible. I like the way that he drive blocks, the way that he moves guys, um, and, and there's a different leverage to that than with pass blocking, and you can kind of see the difference in power. He does have a very explosive base, um, and he just isn't very good at accepting that power. But if he can get up and under you, he can push you. So that's like the whole of my Garrett Bradbury take. I see the plays that people don't like, and there have been times when he's just been flat out knocked out, put on his ass like Rashad Hill was all those times. Those plays are terrible. Kill him for those. I'm not going to argue with you. Um, But I think where I get kind of annoyed is the walk back thing happened to Mason Cole a lot in this game. Linval Joseph, very powerful nose tackle, totally walked him back into the quarterback. And a lot of people have said, man, that he just doesn't get walked back into the quarterback at all. And that's just wrong. Um, he has a lot. I, I, I put out a tweet that was like, here's some times that I saw where he got walked back. And 
just like with Garrett Bradbury. I mean, I got to be consistent about this, right? Just like with Garrett Bradbury, I'm not too bugged by these plays. Uh, Through a guy is kind of the slowest way to the quarterback. I would much rather have somebody get through you than around you because around you, you have no resistance. But if somebody's pushing through you and walking you back, you're offering resistance every step of the way and you're slowing down that pressure, which is why I don't think it's as severe of a pressure as when uh, Bradbury gets like beat around his his shoulder or whatever, Uh, which I think is why he made his pass. He sets like a sumo wrestler pass set where it's super wide and that's where why he loses all of his power um and he's got to be better about like swinging his legs behind him that's kind of the bradbury thing and with cole a lot of the same thing is happening um he has a different problem with like pass sets and stuff like that i won't get into it but he the, the same thing happened he does have those 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 walkbacks so that's why i just i don't really see a material difference in putting mason cole in other than you get worse at snapping the ball i think you get worse at setting protections at just calling them um and you don't get and you lose a lot of the run game upside so that's like the material difference i see between the two now put mason cole in for Oli udo cole knows what he's looking at better than udo um and he doesn't have to snap and that's great and i think you lose a little bit of the sand in the pants that Oli udo has he does have like some pretty good sand in his pants right but i think you get rid of the holding penalties you get rid of some of the other big mistakes you get better eyes out the right guard position and stuff i think all that's worth it so if i were in the room if i were in charge after watching all the tape and stuff i would say mason cole replace Oli udo that would be if i were part of that conversation that the coaches all had but we'll see what they do um i just needed to explain my position on that but i want to flip over to uh the passing offense the 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 aggression that the vikings had they finally were aggressive they pushed the ball downfield everybody's writing their piece about how like this is how mike zimmer has to save his job if they're going to make the playoffs they have to stay aggressive get rid of that conservative stuff and yeah i think we all agree but it's easier said than done let me explain but first let me tell you about my new favorite app it is get upside get upside has been saving me money at the pump gas prices are ridiculous let's shave a little bit off the top specifically 25 cents a gallon off the top with the get upside app it's a free app at the google play app store there's no uh, catch to any of this you can just go to one of the gas stations that's participating get gas tell the get upside app that uh where you got gas like tell them what uh what what station you went to and then it'll take a day or two to process and then money just shows up in your account you can cash that out whenever you want amazon uh google play or you just do direct deposit if you don't want to mess with any of that stuff no catch no fees nothing like that they'll just take a little bit of money and give it to you in cash back so save some money at the pump that adds up to like two three hundred bucks a month if you drive a lot and if you enter promo code touchdown when you sign up your first fill up will be up to 50 cents off per gallon that's double the savings on your first fill up that is promo code touchdown with the get upside app switching gears here um so the vikings did a better job of being aggressive and i've talked a ton about the the lack of aggression the last couple of weeks we've all been talking about it right Kirk cousins is checking down a lot what's is it the play calling is it the pressure whose fault is all this stuff and of course that's a complicated answer that we've had to talk about over multiple episodes but i had been very critical of the play designs um and and the way the plays were designed and i want to get into the weeds on that a little bit uh but first just quick like so my philosophy on this is that deep targets are an earned thing and i've seen a lot of people say kind of like the sarcastic ah throwing deep to jefferson worked who would have thunk um as if it were this obvious truth that the vikings for whatever reason were denying 
Um, and I don't think that that's the case. I don't think that it is uh, It is an obvious truth. It is so obvious a truth that I am skeptical, I'm reticent to believe that an NFL team would deny it, but rather that they were failing to capture it. You can't just send Justin Jefferson deep on a random route and expect it to work, right? The defense has a brain. They're going to cover it. They're going to send a safety back there. They're going to have somebody lurk it or rob it or do whatever. They're going to know what you're doing. So you have to have a little bit more purpose to what you're doing. And that is basically the the crux of the critique that I had of Clint Kubiak, that what he was doing to get Justin Jefferson down the field was kind of vanilla. And it was kind of, there wasn't a lot of complexity to it, and there wasn't a lot of challenge to covering it. It was a lot of just a go route down the sideline, uh, or maybe a curl route. And everybody can cover a curl route. You just kind of sit on the top of it, and you drive on the ball when it's thrown. Everybody can do that, and most coverages are going to have at least one guy on Justin Jefferson. Unless they bust it, he has to beat somebody if it's man-to-man coverage. And if it's zone coverage, then those things just sort of fall apart. And the concepts don't work. And then sometimes it was like Kirk not finding him deep or pressure meant Kirk couldn't find him deep if he wanted to or whatever. We're going to throw those plays aside. I want to talk just about the designs today. And look, it does make sense to say, hey, you know, Justin Jefferson's going to get single coverage. And if he has single coverage, it will, we'll have him on a deep route. And then, you know, if they ever leave Justin Jefferson on in, in single coverage, then it's a deep shot to Jefferson. Great. Um, but... What if we could make it easier than that? Because that basically relies on the other team screwing up instead of you creating something of your own volition. And I thought the Vikings did a much better job of of being the creators here, of presenting challenges to the defense beyond our receiver is good. And that is a challenge to the defense. But what about our receiver is good and the concept is difficult to cover? That's better, right? And and I thought they did a really good job. There are three particular plays that I want to do. Um, and what is I'm lucky about this is that the Chargers run coverages that are very similar to the ones the Vikings run. So we can actually kind of learn a little bit about the way the Vikings do defense as well. And all these coverages, I mean, every coverage in all of football has strengths and weaknesses, right? There is something that beats everything. It's rock, paper, scissors, I call it all the time, right? Nothing is weaknessless. So the three plays I want to talk to you about are three deep Justin Jefferson uh, plays. One was the second and 20 that he like muscled through and he converted the one where his helmet came off. Um, and then the two big catches down the sideline. So let's talk about the first play there, the the second and 20, where Justin Jefferson gets kind of a uh, intermediate dig, like a 15-yard dig, he catches it, and then he hulks through a bunch of guys. So on that play, the Vikings had Justin Jefferson and a couple other receivers lined up in a bunch with, you know, three guys all kind of bunched together, and that is designed to give them all free releases to make things a little bit difficult for that for uh, the defense to figure out who to cover, because they can all cross over each other really easily, and you don't exactly get, like, you can't, like, play press against that. Guys are standing behind each other, um, and it would just get crowded, and someone would fall over, and, be, and you'd leave a guy wide open. So... Versus bunches, the way that that defenses like the Vikings and Chargers play it, and I, I won't get into the specifics of what the names of all this crap are, but basically you you have you know three players for their three receivers, right? And usually a deep safety over the top helping, but three players for their three receivers, and you tell one of those three players, all right, you take the first thing that breaks to the inside. You tell another one of those players, you take the first thing that breaks to the outside. And then the third player, you say you take whatever's left over and the safety helps things deep or may, might even go over to the other side if if he can. Um, but basically what you have is you have these two players basically looking at all three receivers saying, OK, who's going to break inside? Who's going to break outside? Who goes first? Right. Who breaks their route off first? 
And the way the Vikings approached this was they had the entire bunch run a deep route stem. That means none of those routes broke until they were past those two first level kind of shallow defenders. And what that meant was that there was kind of it was kind of a way to break their coverage rules. Their, their coverage rules didn't have a way to deal with, well, what if nothing goes inside or outside and everything just goes straight and then breaks out later? Now, the disadvantage of this is that it takes a long time, and so the Vikings had to block it up, and they did an okay job of that. And what that meant was you had time for all of this to develop, and Justin Jefferson was now breaking off an intermediate route to the inside, and he was the only route of that bunch to break inside, which would usually just be one of those defenders' job. He would pick it up, and he would then play man coverage against it, and it would be pretty normal. Um, but now he's behind the guy. And the leverage gets, gets all funky, and then Justin Jefferson's wide open, and you get to throw it. So that was a good way to respond to the way a team like the Chargers typically defends bunch releases. And, and the bunch is something the Vikings have always used a lot for a long time. It's sort of they've whoever's been calling the offense has always liked bunches, I think, more than most teams. Um, and I, that's fine. I love bunches, too. So the next... Uh, two plays where Justin Jefferson catches down the sideline. And what you need to know about them alignment-wise is that Justin Jefferson was on the backside of the play, and every other receiver was on the front side of the play. And by front side and backside, I'm talking about, you know, basically that. Where are there more receivers? Where's the strength of the formation? And the point of that, of course, is to get Justin Jefferson a one-on-one. You want their whole defense to wait over um, to all shift over, and they, you want them to favor the side without Justin Jefferson on it. Um, the Packers do this to get Devontae Adams open a lot, right? That's the idea behind doing all of that stuff, but this is not exactly a new trick, right? So defenses have ways to cover that, and you have to design your plays, and this is what Clint Kubiak wasn't doing as good a job of. You have to design your plays to take advantage of what you can probably figure out are the coverage rules by now. Because, I mean, everything old is new, right? Nobody's doing anything nobody's seen before. So I, I want to talk more about those specifics in uh, these two plays. Uh, but first, let me talk to you about the best tasting protein bar on the planet. It's eating season. It's November. That means we are all going to stuff ourselves full of uh, ridiculous calorie and carb loaded food. And we're probably going to feel like crap about it after. And it's going to be worth it. But maybe we can try to prep a little bit because if you're having a sweet crap, craving and it's late at night we got the perfect protein bar for you it's built bar and it doesn't taste like oats and, and chalk and disappointment like a lot of protein bars do it's covered in 100 chocolate it comes in a bunch of delicious flavors like chocolate raspberry or chocolate coconut which would be a great replacement for that raspberry tart or coconut cream pot uh coconut cream slice of pie that you've been eyeing in the fridge so head on over to built.com they've got a lot of limited edition flavors this time of year as well that are only on the site for like three or four days so check often um, but go to built.com. You can enter promo code LOCKED15. You can get a Built Bar low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and it is delicious to boot. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Let me also talk to you about a good old gramble. Right now, the Vikings are about to play the Packers. They're two-and-a-half-point home underdogs. I have just defaulted to taking the points in every Vikings game. Just assuming every Vikings game is going to be a one-point game would actually serve you pretty well if you had done that all year. So that's my strategy now. But I don't know what your strategy is. They have also uh, totally overhauled their website. So you can do live betting. You can do prop bets. Give me the Kirk Cousins 0.5 rushing yards over every game, right? He's always got one scramble in him. 
And you can bet on uh, college football. You can bet on basketball, hockey, both in season right now. You can bet on UFC. You can even bet on your favorite Vegas casino game. So head on over to betonline.ag. Sign up. You use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all one word. You get a 50% welcome bonus. It means whatever your first deposit is, BetOnline will match half of it and plop it right into your account in free play money. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, at betonline.ag, where the game starts. Now, let's keep it going with kind of these these big plays down the sideline. So the first Justin Jefferson big catch, it was the first one he caught down the sideline. Um, the Chargers were in some sort of cover three shell. Um, I don't know that stuff as well, but what you need to understand about it is three deep defenders, right? And the Vikings had a route concept with, you know, everything overloaded to the side away from Justin Jefferson, like I described. And both Thielen and Jefferson were running deep routes down the sideline. Now, Thielen was running a deep post, and Justin Jefferson was running more of a go route, more of just a straight route down the sideline. But the point is, the safety in the middle has to choose which of his cornerbacks to help. He either has to leave somebody one-on-one with Justin Jefferson on a go route, or he has to leave somebody one-on-one with Adam Thielen on a deep post. And that can be very difficult for a corner that knows that he has inside help, because a that corner will play the wrong leverage on that post and leave it open. And then if that inside help isn't there, he could kind of get caught with his pants down. Um, so it's kind of a play designed to be a shot to Justin Jefferson. Um, and it's, you know, it's five step drop and throw. He's not exactly going through a progression here. Or if he is, Justin Jefferson's the first read in it and he heaves it up. Beautiful throw, beautiful catch. Um, but what happens is the safety just drops and gets a ton of depth in in this and that must be like their coverage rule and when the safety drops and get a ton, gets a ton of depth he kind of takes himself out of both routes and both guys end up one-on-one so we just throw it to the go and, and justin jefferson makes an incredible catch incredible throw obviously the execution matters a lot here too but i'm focusing more on the schematic part and then the one at the end the one that that set up that final series um that brandon staley even challenged and wasted a timeout on too which was nice um, was again a, a three by one formation with Justin Jefferson being the one in that three by one. They had everything about the design kind of tailored toward bringing the coverage up and close to the field. Now, remember, the Vikings are in two clock mode here. They're not in two minute drill score fast mode. So if you think about two minute drill score fast mode in a defense, defense will play very far off, right? All they want to do is not give up a touchdown. They just want you to keep throwing underneath passes and wasting time. On the other hand, an offense that's just trying to kill clock is usually going to be pretty conservative. They So defenses will cheat up a little bit, and they'll be a little more willing to cheat things up. And this is where I, I have to compliment Clint Kubiak, even though I, I lambasted him a lot for some of the play calls that he had in this game and the designs that he had in this game. This particular one was very good um, because... Basically, they had one clear out go route on the uh, the side with all the players on the three side of the three by one. One player was just running a go route up the sideline, and then there were two shallow in routes. So those two in routes are going to suck cover defenders up closer to the line of scrimmage, therefore away from the deep pass and just keeping things away from from that deep shot. You just want it as isolated as possible. The other thing is Dalvin Cook, who was the only other skill player to Justin Jefferson's side, but he was lined up as a running back in shotgun just standing next to the quarterback. He did what defensive coaches will call like a fast to the flat, which is it's a swing pass pattern. You've seen it a million times. Um, But when somebody is fast to the flat like that, 
it means um, a lot of times it can mean that a safety will come down and actually be responsible for covering that. Like you've seen Harrison Smith make that tackle for loss after the running back catches it. Or a lot of times for the Vikings, that guy will be bar without bar. It's like been their cornerback or whatever. But who is whoever's responsible for the flat is then going to abandon any deep responsibilities, further isolating that one-on-one. So all of this is designed to create a one-on-one with Justin Jefferson, and then all Kirk Cousins has to do is pitch and catch and throw that go ball to the sideline that he's utterly phenomenal at, and then Justin Jefferson has to do the thing he's utterly phenomenal at. I think what, like, overall, what the Vikings did in this game was they did a lot better job of having routes complement each other. It wasn't perfect, though. There were still plays. There was a third. I think it was like a third and 11 where it was all it was just three deep curls. Just all three receivers go deep and they all run a curl route. And then there were a couple of checkdowns underneath. And it was like there isn't a coverage that doesn't have an answer to that, Um, except for maybe specifically cover two. But who's running like a vanilla cover two on third and 11? Um, It just kind of seemed like if it's man coverage, maybe those curl routes can win. But the other team knows where the sticks are and they know that you're going to probably be throwing something at the sticks. So they're playing very aggressively at the sticks. Really, you can punish that with something like a double move. But then you got to block that up and you've got to protect for that much longer. And of course, that's been this big problem for the Vikings. So it's hard to ask them to do that. Um, But I don't like that it was just so vanilla. You can do something at the sticks, but throw another route near it, right? Make it a concept near the sticks instead of just a set of routes near the sticks. There were too many times where the Vikings offense was just running routes instead of running concepts. And in this game, I thought they did a much better job of running concepts. This is growth from the offensive coordinator, and it allowed things to be more aggressive. I think it also helped that Kirk kind of had this directive to say, hey, be more aggressive. If it ends in an interception, it ends in an interception. Um, But be more aggressive. Let's try to push the ball. I think that obviously helped a lot as well, and hopefully that continues into the next few games here. The other thing I wanted to talk about on this episode was James Lynch. Um, For the sake of time, I'm going to defer to an article that I wrote. So I wrote an article on zone coverage about James Lynch. He has been very, very quietly good. And it's quietly because he's a defensive tackle. It's hard to see those plays. I mean, you have to look very detailed into like his technique and stuff, but he's been shown a ton of power and a a ton of tenacity. um, And he hasn't played many reps But in filling in for Michael Pierce, he's been this fantastic run defender. We haven't seen much about him from the past, but I don't think the Vikings are expecting that anymore out of him as a nose tackle. And as like a rotational run defense guy, um, he's certainly earned his keep. And that's really exciting. Go read that article for, for more detail on all that. And I broke down some tape there as well. But now we are going to flip into Packer mode. So tomorrow, uh, we are going to talk to Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers. That is always a very fun conversation because I control him and that's my favorite thing to do. (laughs) So uh, come check out Crossover Thursday tomorrow. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Uh, Your second listen should be the Locked On Bets podcast. Get your gramble straight. Uh, Your boy Q and Lee Sterling, handicapping expert. Those guys are white hot right now. So go and get your grambles straight. Those guys will tell you what to gramble on. I will see you all tomorrow, and as always, Skull.